The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Welcome to New Song. Happy Mother's Day to all you mamas out there watching with us today. We're so thankful to have you joining us. We hope that you are enjoying your day so far, soaking up the extra hugs and kisses, the thoughtful homemade gifts from your kids, maybe even breakfast in bed. However you're celebrating, we just appreciate you sharing your day with us. And we have a tradition at New Song. On Mother's Day, we love to bless the moms with a little gift. We have done... Uh, bath bombs in the past and lip balms because we were really into like you're you're the bomb pun. Um, We've also done coffee cups and this year we have something really special for you, a special keepsake because this Mother's Day is unlike any other Mother's Day that there's ever been. Uh, Mother's Day 2020, we are all still uh, kind of opening up, waiting for things to open up as we've been sheltering in place for eight weeks. And over the last eight weeks, we've heard one word several times, and that is the word essential. And we have learned that people like uh, grocery store workers and nurses and doctors are essential. We've even learned to kind of categorize our life into what's an essential errand and what's a non-essential errand. Like putting dinner on the table is essential, but pedicures, not so much. So we've, we've heard this word thrown around, and there's even been some controversy over who gets to decide what's essential and what is not. But I think today there is one person, one job, one role that no matter what your political stance is, no matter your race, uh, your ethnicity, your religion, no matter what, we can all agree that moms are absolutely essential. And so we've created this custom keepsake print for you, and you can go and download it for free at newsongpeople.com slash Mother's Day. Download this. It's a beautiful print. We want you to print it out, put it in a frame, put it in your bathroom, maybe your office, somewhere where you can see it every day and be reminded that you are and you always have been essential, that you've been absolutely necessary and extremely important. Happy Mother's Day. We love you all so much. Um, Also, if you haven't already heard, next Sunday, we are back. We are going back to in-person services and we are so pumped. We cannot wait to worship with you in person. We are going to continue streaming online for the vulnerable, for the cautious, but if you can, we'd love to have you here with us. We're going to do three services to make sure that we have room to spread everybody out because we're going to be following the CDC's requirements for space seating, hand sanitizing stations, all that good stuff. Um, We've got a nine o'clock service, 1045 and 1230. We want to encourage you, if you can, to do the nine o'clock or the 12.30 just to make some extra room in that 10.45 because that's our always a little bit uh, most crowded service. So join us next week if you can. It's gonna be awesome. I am just preparing you right now. I think I'm gonna be crying tears of joy the entire day. So, um, but I won't hug you and I won't get my tears on you, but just be ready. It's gonna, I'm not gonna wear mascara next week. It's gonna be awesome. And if you want more details on the plan, go to newsongpeople.com slash return plan for all the info. All right, today 
I wanna share with you one of my favorite verses of all time, and I'm gonna share this verse in regards to motherhood, but I want you to know that if you're watching today and you're not a mom, maybe you're a dad or a granddad or a grandma, maybe you're a student, maybe you're a young adult, single adult, no children, wherever you're at, I believe that God has some special revelation for you from this verse, because the verse I'm sharing was not directed just to moms, it's for all of us as believers in Jesus Christ. So even though I'm gonna be talking a lot about motherhood, wherever you're at, I believe that if you'll lean in, that God wants to speak to you today, all right? The verse is 2 Timothy 1.7. You can probably all say this by heart. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, I know that this is a really, it's a really well-known verse. Like I said, you can probably recite it. You've probably said it over these last eight weeks. In fact, I think I've seen this verse more than any other verse over the last eight weeks because Christians everywhere have been talking about the spirit of fear that God has not given them. God has not given me a spirit of fear Period. That's usually where people end this verse. But I want you to look at this with me again because it doesn't end there with a period. There's a comma and there's a but. So let's read it again together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, comma, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, This is a great verse about what God has not given us. I am so thankful that he has not given me a spirit of fear, that I don't have to be a slave to fear. But I think sometimes we get so focused on what he has not given us that we look right past these amazing gifts that he has given to us. Now imagine today, Mother's Day, that we go home today after church and my kids are there to celebrate uh, Mother's Day with me. And my oldest son, Gus, he walks in and he says, happy Mother's Day, mom. You're the best mom ever. We don't know what we would do without you. Here uh, are some gifts for you, but we want you to know, first, we did not get you a venomous snake, okay? We didn't get you a venomous snake, but we did get you a 2020 Range Rover Sport with windward gray metallic exterior, black leather interior, all black rims, blacked out. Here are the keys. And then my daughter, Bo, she comes in and she says, Mom, we also got you once a week spa services for an entire year. All you have to do is schedule them out. They are there for you. And then my, my, my youngest daughter, Sunny, she comes in. She says, we also got you, Mom, a $500 gift card to Taco Bueno, which comes out to about 335 bean burritos. I did the math. Now, What if instead of acknowledging these amazing gifts, instead of being like, oh my gosh, guys, this is awesome. I was not expecting, this is, thank you so much. Taking those keys, going to get out in that Range Rover, taking it for a spin, going to Taco Bueno to get my first of many bean burritos, getting out my calendar and begin to schedule out my spa appointments. What if instead of like thanking them for those gifts, acknowledging those gifts, opening those gifts up, what if instead I just said, come here, Guys, come here. Mommy is so glad and so thankful that you didn't get me a venomous snake. I'm so thankful for that. Thank you for not going like totally Joe Exotic and filling up a gift bag with venomous snakes and dropping it off for me for Mother's Day. Thank you for that. You did not give me a venomous snake, period. Best Mother's Day ever. 
they would look at me like I was crazy. Like all these extravagant gifts are here on the table and yet all I'm doing is thanking them for what they did not give me. I think sometimes this is how God feels about this verse. He, he sees that we're just so focused on what he hasn't given us that we forget to thank him and acknowledge and open up these amazing gifts that he has given us. I want you to type this in the chat this morning. Type it, write it down so you remember it. Ready? Don't be so focused on what God has not given you, which is the spirit of fear, that you look past the gifts he has given you, spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So the rest of our time together this morning, we're gonna talk about these three gifts and how they are amazing gifts for mothers. And I want you to know that, that these gifts that they're crucial to the way that we engage with other people. They really are. And I, I pray that you see that as we go through each of them. And they're especially crucial in the way that we engage with our children. So if you want a, a title for the message today, I'm calling it Outgifted. Because no matter what you may have got for Mother's Day today, maybe you did get a Range Rover Sport. Woohoo, good for you. Or maybe you got an amazing homemade card that was super thoughtful. Whatever you got, no matter how much you love it, God's gifts for you are better this morning. He has outgifted your family. These are gifts that keep on giving day after day after day. These are legacy gifts, and I'm excited to unpack them with you this morning. All right, the first gift that we're gonna talk about is the gift of power. Number one, the gift of power. And the gift of power that Paul is talking about here is an empowerment, an empowerment. Write this down. God gives me power to do what he's called me to do. That is really great news for us this morning, for us believers. Whatever he's called us to do, live the Christian lifestyle, uh, whatever he's specifically called you to do, he's empowered you to do it. Moms, he has empowered you to raise your children, empowering you to do what he's called you to do. Let's look at this a little bit further. I love this definition. I love this, this, how they expound on this word power. It says, by power, Paul means courage and fortitude. Not declining duty because of the danger threatening us in performance, but enabling us. God's power is an enabling power. He wants to enable you, even when you have to encounter the greatest dangers and difficulties. So, we could say when talking about 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of courage and of fortitude. And that courage and fortitude, it keeps me from declining my duties that are attached to my purpose. It keeps me from declining the parental duties that God has laid out in front of me. And even though there's difficulty threatening, I won't back down. I will not decline because I've been enabled and empowered by the Spirit of God. This kind of power that Paul writes about is the kind of power that Tom Petty sang about. The great Tom Petty, he says, you can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Somebody who knows good music Type me your favorite Tom Petty song there in the chat. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. That kind of power has been given to you to help you fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. And this is great news, mamas. This is good news because raising kids is not easy. Raising kids takes a lot 
of strength. It takes all of our energy. It takes focus. It takes commitment. It takes being humble to where you make mistakes and you've got to ask them for forgiveness. It takes you being able to forgive them. It takes a lot of nights in prayer. It takes study. It takes intense conversations. Being a parent is a lot of work. I think this is why a lot of women... Um, they have abortions. I, I think sometimes we think that women that have abortions, they're, they're just selfish and, and they're only thinking about themselves. Yes, that's true for some of them, but I think the majority of them, if you could really see what's going on, they're scared of the difficulties and the responsibilities that come with raising children. They think, I can't do this. This is such a big thing. I can't do this on my own. I don't have anybody to do it with me. They don't believe in their ability. Maybe they never had a mom uh, to show them how to do this. And so they think, I I can't do this. The bottom line is they go through with something like this. It's because they don't understand the incredible greatness of power that's given to those who are in Christ, either because they're not in Christ yet or because they are, but they don't understand this power yet. And that's where a lot of believers live. And that's why Paul prayed this prayer for people he loved. This is why he prayed this prayer for the church of Ephesus. He says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for you. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He prayed these prayers and he wanted them to understand this power because he knew if they would understand the power available to them, it would keep them from declining the duties that were attached to their purpose. So when you pass these planned parenthood things and and, and you, you want to judge and you, you want to picket and protest, why don't you pray instead that these women would have an encounter with a living, loving God through ministries like Embrace Grace or Real or through churches like New Song where they could encounter God and they could begin to understand his power. And they would know that, yes, raising kids is difficult, but there is a God in heaven who loves me and has given me a spirit of power. And he's going to enable me and empower me to raise this child that he is knit together in my womb. He wants to give you power. As a mom of three, I have learned that we're going to, we're going to face some things that we would rather not have to face. Uh, We're going to have to have conversations that we'd rather not have to have. We're going to go through difficult seasons with our kids. Uh, We're going to have to watch them go through things that we'd rather them not go through that literally break our hearts. We're going to go through seasons with them where we may feel like they don't like us much or we may know that we don't like them much. We love them, but we don't like them. We're all going to go through those seasons. And the enemy wants to convince you moms. He wants to convince you that you're not mom enough. He wants to convince you that, that you aren't smart enough to help them through this season where they're, you're teaching them at home. He wants to convince you that you aren't spiritual enough to have that conversation with them, to, to train them up in the way that they should go. He wants to convince you uh, that, that you aren't enough, that, that maybe you, you, you can never be that mom that they talk about in Proverbs 31, whose children rise up and call her blessed. That's just not you. It's not in your DNA. He wants to convince you of this because he knows if he can, that you're going to want to back down, that you're going to want to abort the mission that God has given you to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. You're going to be tempted to be lazy as a mom. You're going to be tempted to be selfish. You're going to be tempted to just go through the motions, to take the easiest road. You're going to be tempted to think things like, 
I'll leave that difficult conversation to the sex educators at my child's school. I'll leave the the discipleship, the, the spiritual training of my children to the church. I'll leave the discipline of my children to the people at their daycare or at, at their school. I'll leave setting like boundaries and, and structure. I'll just leave that to my kids because eight-year-olds know a heck of a lot about what's best for them. You know, I think we convince ourselves that we can't do it and then we decline these parental duties attached to our purpose. What parental duties are you declining? I think oftentimes we decline duties that are attached to our purpose because of fear of failure. We don't want to fail. We're afraid of failing. And in parenting, it, lo- it looks kind of like this. What if, what if I do everything I know to do and they don't turn out right? What if I, I take them to church and, and then they end up on drugs or they end up pregnant in high school and, and they become one of these statistics that, that make us shudder? What if I do everything and they, they turn away from God? Listening, parenting with that kind of what if mindset, that's fear. Fear says what if. And remember, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. He's given you power, courage, and fortitude. Courage and fortitude don't say what if. Courage and fortitude. And somebody empowered by the spirit of God says, even if. Even if. A mom empowered by the spirit of God says, even if. Even if I see no fruit, I will, I will not decline my duties to raise my kids in the way that they should go. Even if I'm worn out, even if I feel like being selfish, even if we are not gelling right now, even if I will not decline my duties, even if worst case scenario, I will not back down from doing what Proverbs 22, six says, training up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Here's some good news for you this morning. If you have an even if parenting mentality and you say even if worst case scenario, even if, you know what happens? If you do your part and you don't back down, God has a promise here for you. You have a promise that you can hold on to. You can say, God, I did my part. They've they've walked away, but now your word says, because I did my part, they won't depart. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to have power and encouragement and fortitude fortitude from you. I'm going to do my part. That means they won't depart. That means they can't stay in that pig pen. That means they have to come to their senses. That means that prodigal has to come home if you parent with an even if mindset. And you can because he has empowered you by the spirit of God. I truly believe this. I was, as I was writing this message, I truly believe there's another gear that God has for you, mamas, that he wants you to shift into this, this new gear. You've been doing okay. You've been getting by. But here's the thing. You haven't been tapping into this source of power that's within you, the same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead. You haven't been tapping into it. You've been more dependent on coffee than you have the spirit of the living God. And, and, and I think sometimes it's because we think this power isn't for us as moms. It's for pastors and it's for evangelists and it's for the president, whoever's making these big decisions. But it couldn't be. It couldn't be. This power could not be for this single mom who's just trying to make ends meet. 
Oh, but that's where you're wrong. This power is for you. This power is for every born again mama who will tap into it, who will call on him. It's for you because you are doing something so important. You have one of the most important roles in the world. You are essential. And as an essential worker in the body of Christ, God wants to empower you. This power is for you. When parenting starts to feel heavy, when it starts to feel hectic, I want you to remember something. I want you to remember that you've got the power. Like that verse in the the 90s dance song that's gonna be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Uh, Sorry, not sorry. I want you to remember this. You remember that song that goes, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kinda heavy. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kinda heavy. Then there was another verse that said, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kinda hectic. It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kinda hectic. And then this woman would yell out, I got the power. You guys know that song? Okay, that's what I want you to remember. In your homes, when things are getting kind of hectic, maybe your kids are just at each other and you're frustrated, I want you to remember, I got the power. When things are getting heavy, maybe it's more than just your kids are at each other. Maybe you just find out that your teenage daughter is sleeping with her boyfriend and it is heavy. When things get heavy, you remember, I got the power. I got the power of the living God in me, empowering me to deal with this situation. And I also want you to know, you don't have to wait until things feel heavy and hectic to call on this power. You can get out in front of it. You can start your day with a prayer like this. God, your word says you've given me a spirit of power. I remind myself and Satan that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in me. And I am empowered to raise my kids to follow after you. I am empowered to fulfill my parental duties. I am empowered to glorify you in everything I say and do. I am not running on coffee or Arbonne fist sticks alone. I am running on resurrection power. I got the power. I have your power in Jesus' name, amen. He's given you the gift of power. Number two, he's given you the gift of love. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. I think we can all agree that we love our children. You know, like we said earlier, sometimes we don't like them, but we love them. Um, so why would this love thing, why would this come into uh, to play in parenting? Well, God has given us a spirit of love. But it's not just any spirit, it's his spirit. And he's given us his spirit of love. And that spirit of love, it transcends anything that we can muster up in our own natural tendencies. His love is more perfect than your love. And he's given you that spirit of love. And it's an amazing gift as a parent. I'm sure that um, if you're a parent, no matter how old your kids are, you have experienced them tuning you out before. Uh, This happens on a daily basis at our house Um, because that's just how kids are wired. Like you're trying to tell them something, but if they're watching TV, you can tell them and they are only hearing Teen Titans go. They are not hearing you at all right now. We'll have to like turn off the TV and say, look at me and listen, you're tuning me out. They just do that because they're kids. But sometimes they tune us out because of how we sound. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, Paul, again, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. Listen, are the conversations that you're having, the important conversations that you're having with your kids, are they laced with the spirit of love? 
Because if they're not, you sound like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, and they will tune you out. Anybody in their right mind is gonna uh, tune out a cymbal like that. They're gonna wanna get away from it. But if we want our kids to pay attention to our words, if we want our kids to value our counsel and do what Proverbs 1.8 says, if we want them to wear our counsel and words and advice like rings on their fingers and like crowns on their head, then we have to talk to them with the spirit of love. That's what I want for my girls. I want my girls to, the conversations I have with them, the, the godly wisdom, the advice, the counsel, I want them to think of that as a beautiful, real-life princess crown with all these valuable and precious stones, an heirloom, something they hold onto and treasure and would pass down to their kids. That's how I want them to see the words. My son, I want them to, uh, him to, to think about my words and counsel like a Super Bowl ring. This is precious. I'm never going to take this off. But if, we, if that's going to happen, if they are going to wear our words like rings on their fingers and crowns on their heads, then what we say has to have the spirit of God's love flowing through it. Now, this applies to a lot of areas, you know, conversations that we're having with our kids, but it, it really, really applies to us in the area of discipline, when we have to discipline our kids. My kids aren't perfect. And newsflash, your kids aren't perfect either. Romans 3.23 says, we all sin, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Your kids are going to mess up. So how do, you, how do you use this spirit of love when it comes to discipline? Well, I think one question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we loving our kids like we love ourselves? Because one of the highest and greatest commandments that we've been given is to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we know that. But oftentimes, parents, we don't think of our kids as neighbors. But neighbors is anybody that's in close proximity to you. Who is in closest proximity to you? That's your kids. So you are to love your children as you love yourself, even in the area of discipline. So when you mess up and when you fall short of the glory of God, how do you want people to respond to you? You may be thinking, I would love it if they would just ignore me and not say anything about it and just give me grace and realize that I'm not a perfect person and I'm gonna make mistakes, but that's not love. If you're taking notes, write this down. Ignoring your children's sin is not love. If I'm headed down a path of destruction and I, I want somebody to care and to love me enough to get out in front of me with love in their eyes and love on their lips and say, hey, you're going the wrong way. You are headed to, towards heartache and, to hurt, and towards hurt. And I love you too much to let you keep going this way. That's what love looks like. We cannot ignore it when our children sin. That's not love. Now, on the other hand, when our kids mess up, we can't make their sins bigger than the cross. We can't say things to them like, you are such a bad boy. You are a bad girl. You should be ashamed of yourself. You've embarrassed our family. God is mad at you. We can't make their sins bigger than the cross. These things that parents say to their children, they're not, they're not in, uh, in line and agreement with God's word. God's word says your gift is, or your child is a gift to you. Your, the, the word says if he's a born again believer, your child's a believer, they've asked Jesus into their heart, they're not a bad boy or girl. They're redeemed and they're chosen and they're called by name and they've been adopted into God, 
God's family and he has a plan and a purpose for them that they can't, that, that, that they can't escape from if they have been, uh, become chi- believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we say these things because our kids do things that are bad. They make mistakes, but just because they do something bad doesn't make them a bad child. So stop saying that your kid is a bad kid. Stop saying that your kid is a problem child. Stop referring to them as a nightmare. Stop calling your two-year-old terrible. I hate when people talk about terrible twos. That's not what the word says. The word says they're a gift. And what about when we say shame on you? We need to remember, parents, that Jesus hung naked on a cross to take both our sin and our shame. And the same applies to your children. He took their sin and shame. So who are we to go and put it on them? We're not to put shame on our children. And for those of you who like to say you've embarrassed the family, don't say that. Don't say that. Because here's what happens. The image of your family, your kids begin to pick up on this. The image of your family is more important to you than the restoration of your child's heart. They begin to see this. They begin to see through it. They see mom and dad are more concerned about what people think than they are about me and what I'm going through. And they will lose respect for you. So don't do that. So when our children miss miss the mark, when they mess up, as they will, we can't ignore it, but we can't make their sin bigger than the cross. So what are we to do? How do we use this gift of love and, and let God's love flow through us, his perfect love when it comes to discipline? Well, we take a cue from Moana in our house. That's right, Moana, make way make way. I won't sing it for you this morning, but I love Moana. It's one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. She's got to be in my top three Disney princesses. I mean, look at her. She is absolutely adorable. The songs in the movie are awesome. I would watch it with my kids or without my kids. Um, If you haven't seen the movie, let me just give you a quick synopsis. Moana, She is on a mission to save her people and her island, and all she has to do is restore the heart of Tafiti. Somebody say, Tafiti, Tafiti. She has to restore the heart. So she makes it across the sea. She goes through all of these challenges, and at the end of the movie, she is finally where she needs to be to restore this heart, but there's one last challenge. There's a volcano monster named Taka. And Taka, in true lava monster fashion, is attacking Moana. She's throwing fireballs at her. This is the last obstacle between Moana and restoring this heart of Tafiti. She's doing everything she can in her power to try to defeat this lava monster, but it is not working. But then Moana gets this powerful revelation of Teka's true identity. Yes, she is acting like a lava monster, but she sees that Teka is actually Tefiti, the beautiful island goddess, and that her heart has been stolen from her. And it's the very heart that Moana has in her hand. And she knows if she can just restore this heart, that she'll transform back into her true self. So Moana... She begins to walk very calmly and slowly towards this lava monster, singing these beautiful lyrics. She says, I've crossed the horizon to find you. I know your name. They've stolen the heart from inside you, but this does not define you. This is not who you are. You know who you are. So her beautiful lyrics, they assure Teka that she not only knows her name, but that this behavior, this monster-like behavior, this is not really who she is. 
And Moana is able to take that heart of Tefiti and restore it. And all of a sudden, we see this lava monster transform into her true identity, Tefiti. She's a beautiful, lush, welcoming green mountain. Listen, when our kids mess up, when they are acting like lava monsters and they seem to be pushing us away, here's what we can do that's super effective. We can come to them and say, hey, listen, Jesus literally crossed the horizon to find you and he knows you by name. He has called you by name and this isn't Gus. This isn't Bo. This isn't, this isn't Sonny. The enemy has stolen your heart away, but you know that your heart doesn't belong to him. Your heart belongs to God. And the way that you were acting, it doesn't define you. You were acting disobedient and rebellious, but that's not who God says you are. We take him to God's word and says, this is who God says you are. You're a child of God. You honor and respect your mom and dad. You're being daily transformed into the image of Jesus. We take them back and remind them of their true identity. Now, I'm telling you, I can yell at them and mad at them, get mad at them, get angry at them and say, go to your room. And that does very, very little to change the actions of their heart. That brings about no real heart change. And yet I still do it like once a week because I'm human and I have a flesh and, and they have a flesh and, and I'm not perfect. So I will have those moments, but I always see how fruitless it is. But when I take time to do it with the spirit of love and operation flowing through me where I bring them in and say, hey, this is how you acted, but this isn't who you are. Tell me what's going on. That's when heart change takes place. And I'm telling you, it almost takes place immediately because all of us, we don't want to be a lava monster. We want to be who God has created us to be. We desire this true identity that's laid out for us in scriptures. But the enemy does come and he tries to steal away our kids' devotion to God. But the great news is, parents, that you have the opportunity to restore that heart over and over and over again, to restore their heart so that God becomes the center of their affection over and over and over again until they begin to learn how to do it on their own. Discipline is always more effective, it's more fruitful, and it is longer lasting when the spirit of love is present. More effective, more fruitful, and longer lasting. Okay, lastly, the gift of a sound mind. Gift number three, the gift of a sound mind. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and a love and a sound mind. And I think if anyone can appreciate the gift of a sound mind, it is a mom. <laughs> Look at the, all the ways that this phrase, a sound mind, is translated in scripture. Okay, it says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. Other translations say, he's given me a, a self-controlled mind. Self-discipline. He's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound judgment, good judgment, soberness of mind, wise discretion, a sensible mind, a calm, well-balanced mind, yes and amen to all of the above, right? This is a remarkable gift, especially in this bonkers, upside-down world that we are living in. Oh my God goodness. It keeps getting worse. Thank God he keeps getting better. But in this upside down world where we are trying to raise godly kids in this ungodly world, what could be more crucial to us than wise discernment, than good judgment, than a sensible mind? Situations are going to occur all the time. 
that are gonna leave your natural mind stumped. You are not going to know what to do, but there's nothing you will ever encounter as a parent that God cannot help you through. He doesn't know, that he doesn't know how to handle. I wanna read to you a couple different scenarios uh, that I wrote about in the book, Fearless Parenting. When you are unsure whether your daughter is old enough to date, remember, God has given you a sound mind. When you're struggling to find the balance between assuring your kids that you love them no matter what they bring home on the report card, but also trying to push them to give their best effort, remember, God's given you a well-balanced mind. When you find out that your child's been looking at pornography and you wanna cry and you wanna yell and you wanna put shame on them, remember, God has given you self-control. When your sweet 10-year-old has turned into a moody 14-year-old and you're having a hard time connecting, remember, God's given you instruction. When the grind of parenting leaves you feeling reckless and sloppy and mean and slow and tired and frazzled and intoxicated or hungover, remember, God has given you a soberness of mind. When you feel as if your child's story isn't adding up, you all have those moments where you're like, you're, you're, you say there's nothing wrong, but this isn't adding up. Remember, God's given you a sensible mind. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is a woman named Abigail. And scripture tells us that she possessed a sound mind. I love this story so much. In fact, I taught about this a couple of years ago at a women's conference. And there was a woman there that heard it that just fell in love with Abigail based on this story. And she just had a little baby. And she said, I named her Abigail because of that message you taught about her. So she's an incredible, credible woman in scripture. And we're introduced to her in 1 Samuel 25. Verse two through three, it says, there was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and it was sheep shearing time. Somebody say sheep shearing. It was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible, remember that's one of the ways sound mind was translated. She was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was rude and mean in all of his dealings. Now I'm glad that this story about Abigail is in scripture because we get to see what a sound mind looks like in action. Because the text goes on to tell us that David, yes, David who fought Goliath, he's not yet King David yet, but that David, he asked Abigail's husband, Nabal, for some provision because it was sheep shearing time and there was all this provision. And he said, Nabal, could you hook us up and give us some provision, some wine, some bread? Um, and, and this may seem presumptuous, on David's behalf, but it really wasn't because you have to understand David had been watching over Nabal's sheep and his shepherds. They had been a wall of protection, him and his men. And so any other person would have been glad to provide some provision in return for the protection that David and his men had provided for Nabal. But remember the text said Nabal was crude and mean in all of his dealings. He was a huge jerk. So he said, David, I am absolutely not going to give you any uh, provisions. Now, when David heard this, uh, that Nabal had denied his request, he was like, oh, it is so on. Get your swords. I've got mine. He took 400 men with him, and he was on like a path of destruction. He was going to kill Nabal and anything that stood in his way. You don't bring 400 men with you if you're just going to go take out Nabal. He was on like a, a path of ultimate destruction. 
Now, one of Nabal's servants, he hears about this. He hears that David is mad and that he is bringing an army with him. And so he goes to Abigail and tells her what's going on, that David's heading their way. And then look at what this servant says to Abigail. He says, Abigail, you need to know this and figure out what to do. For there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. David's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Now, moms... We're all going to have these moments where we need to figure out what to do. When you do find that your child's been looking at pornography and you need to figure out what to do. When you get a call uh, from, from school and you find out that your child is bullying somebody, you need to figure out what to do. When your child is the one being bullied, you need to figure out what to do. When your child says they're, they're having suicidal thoughts, you need to figure out what to do. When they are stressed, when they are sick, when they are fearful, you need to figure out what to do. We're all going to have these moments where we need to figure out what to do, where we have no idea how to fix the situation that we're looking at. When Abigail is put in this position, I love it because it says she wasted no time at all. She was not a procrastinator. She was not a dilly-dallier. She wasted no time at all. She gathers bread, wine, sheep, all kinds of provision. And she goes out and she finds David and she meets him and all these angry soldiers. And the word says they're still mad. They are stewing. They are angry. But she gets off of her donkey and she bows down before him. And then with her sound mind, she begins to talk. And she says exactly the right words in exactly the right way. And she calls these guys down. In fact, if you have time this week, who am I kidding? You have time this week. It's not an if. You do. You have time this week. I want you to go back and read the words that she says to David because they're beautiful. It's a master class, like a free master class on how to diffuse intense situations. So Abigail, using her sound mind, she speaks words to David that lift him up instead of beating him down. She reminds David with her sound mind of his glorious calling to be the king of Israel. With her sound mind, she reminds him of this path of integrity that he has walked up to this point, and now he's about to take innocent lives. She, she knows with her sound mind that basically she needs to present him with this question. Is the, the path that you're headed on right now, is it consistent with what God has in store for you? She says all the right things asks all the right questions, phrases it just the right way because she's in possession of a sound mind. Look how David replies in verse 32. David replied to Abigail, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Not thank you for the provision, not thank you for the wine, not thank you for the bread. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Listen, mamas, when your children rise and call you blessed as they grow, they're not gonna say thank you for that Pinterest perfect party. Thank you for always getting me the Jordans that I wanted. Thank you for being my chauffeur and taking me to every practice. They'll rise and say thank you for your sound mind. When you helped me walk through that difficult situation, God's given you a sound mind just like Abigail. He's given it to you. It says in scriptures, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. He wants to show you what to do. He wants to show you how to pray. He wants to show you what to say when you've tried it all and when nothing is working. 
The gift of a sound mind has helped me as a mom since I became a mom. For the last 12 years now, the gift of a sound mind has been so, so, so crucial. A few weeks ago, before all this coronavirus stuff started, um, one of my kids was really dealing with anxiety, and that anxiety was um, due to some insomnia that they were dealing with. And they were having a trouble uh, at night falling asleep, and it just came out of nowhere. And I, I think, you know, watching the clock go from nine o'clock to 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock and them knowing I'm still not asleep and I need to be to sleep because I got to get up and go to school in the morning. The anxiety would just mount even though they were tired and even though they were frustrated and exhausted, they were so wound up in their mind that they could not fall asleep. And they'd come down and tell us and we would pray with them. We gave them verses to stand on. We laid our hands on them night after night, conversation after conversation. We went on spring break and it seemed to get better. And then we thought, well, now that school is canceled because of all the coronavirus, this is over uh, because they're not worried about having to wake up for school in the morning. That pressure is not going to be there. But that wasn't the case. After spring break, it just got worse. And instead of being like an every other night, can't sleep, it was every single night. This child was awake and tossing and turning till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. There was one night where they didn't sleep at all. They said, I stayed up till about four and then I just gave up and started watching TV. I could not sleep. There was, there was one night where Josh and I were asleep and we hear this loud banging and we think that someone's breaking into our home. It scared us, but, but come to find out it, it wasn't a burglar, it was our child. And they were up in their room taking out all their frustration on their bedroom floor with their fist, with their feet. They were so upset that they couldn't sleep. They were saying things like, I can't wait to go to heaven because I won't have to worry about falling asleep. And it broke my heart and I felt like I was doing everything I knew to do, praying, speaking the word, having conversation after conversation with them about what we do when we're praying and it feels like God's not answering. When we're waiting for breakthrough, we were pouring our heart and soul and energy into uh, this child, this, this issue that they were dealing with. And uh, one night, it's about six weeks into this thing, they came in and said, I can't sleep, I'm having trouble sleeping. And you don't know what to do anymore. And so I said, okay, I'm so sorry. We're gonna be praying for you. You know, go back upstairs, try to read for a little bit. Try to try to do some of the practical things that we'd put in place, read and, and see if that helps. Um, and I laid there for about 30 minutes and I couldn't fall asleep. And so I just began to ask God, God, you know what to do. Please give me a sound mind and help me figure this out. And I just heard, go sing, go sing over them. So I went up into the room and found them reading their book. They were tired, frustrated. Their little eyes were all bloodshot. And uh, I said, I'm just going to sing over you. Is that okay? And they said, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I turned off the light, covered them up, put my hand on their back, and I just began to sing. You are closer, closer than my skin sang that song that's like an 11 minute song sang the whole song with my iPhone I was crying weeping they were crying and then I went from singing 
to casting out spirits of fear and anxiety. And then I went from casting out spirits to praying in the spirit. Then I went from praying in the spirit to prophesying, to interpreting what I had prayed, to prophesying. You felt like you were drowning, but God says, I'm here. I'm pulling you up out of the water. This is over. This is over. This is over. And it was over. It was over. That night, it broke. And as a mom, the next day, it meant so much to me when my child came in. I, you know, we do so much as moms, but this meant so much to me when they came in and they said, Mom, thank you for what you did last night. Thank you for your sound mind. I know it's over. I'll never forget that moment. And as I look back over those six weeks, I'm not only thankful for the sound mind that God gave me that night for breakthrough, but leading up to those six weeks, every conversation we had, every verse we gave him, the practical things that we put in place, I could see that the, the gift of a sound mind working during those six weeks until we got to that breakthrough. Listen, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, mamas, but he's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Gifts that keep on giving. Let me pray for you this Mother's Day. God, I pray for every mama watching. If you're around a mother, would you just put your hands on her? Lord, I pray today that she's going to She's going to go into a new gear of mothering those kids that you've blessed her with. I thank you that the spirit of power, she's going to be aware of that power, that you're going to give her love and help her to have conversations where your love is on display, where her children will begin to wear her words like rings on their fingers and crowns on their heads. We thank you that you give them a sound mind, that they begin to think clearly with wise discretion, that when things feel heavy and when things feel hectic, that they'll remember that they can look to you that you are a good, good father and that you've given them this gift of a child and when you gave them this child, you gave them the empowerment that comes with raising the child. Lord, re-energize them, refocus them, give them vision, help them to know how essential they are in the kingdom of God. And Lord, I pray for any person listening that's hurting today, whether they've lost a mother, they've lost a baby, maybe they're, 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 they're celebrating another Mother's Day childless and their heart is hurting. Lord, I pray that you would come and and wrap them up in your arms, that you would comfort them, God, with a comfort like only you can bring. Give them peace. Help them to feel the nearness of their father, that you are so very near to the brokenhearted. God, you are good. You are good, and we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that we can, we can get in your word, and there's so much there. It's so rich. Lord, we eat your word. We take it, and we are doers of this word. We love you, God. I pray that you'd bless all the moms, every person listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.